If you have your Bible, then I will invite you to turn to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. This is a very exciting passage, I'll just tell you that. Uh, One of my favorite passages in the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 8, I will begin by reading from verse 26. So brothers and sisters, this is God's holy and inerrant word. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, He was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Thus far the reading of God's word. When I was in university, I took a course that was called Spatial Design. It was probably one of the most intensive courses that I've ever taken in university because it made me spend just a lot of time uh, at school from morning to evening, seven days a week. And this course typically has a field trip where we travel by bus to Seattle to study the design and structure of the buildings and precisely why they're designed the way they are designed. And on the way back to uh, Vancouver from Seattle, all the students, including myself, were exhausted and just wanted to sleep on the bus and just get back home and sleep. However, sitting just right across my row uh, was a classmate that I knew. And I knew him, but I didn't re- never got a chance to talk to him and get to know him. Fascinating enough, he he didn't sleep like all the students were doing. 
And instead of sleeping and resting, what he did was he was reading a book. And I just peeked over, you know, just being curious. I peeked over to see what he was reading, and I discovered that he was reading a Bible. And I became quite curious, so I decided to spark a conversation with him by asking him, uh, what are you reading? And so he told me that he was reading the book of Job. And in our conversation, I learned that he was not a Christian, but he was interested in reading the Bible. And so I had the opportunity to summarize or to explain the summary of Job to him and eventually share the gospel. I do not remember all that was discussed because it was a two-hour ride. Uh, but this event reminds me of the passage that we just read, except this individual did not receive Christ and we didn't get off the bus in the middle of Highway 5 to baptize him. Now, perhaps you had a similar experience like mine or even Philip's. Uh, some may call that a coincidence, or some may call that luck. Uh, but biblically-minded Christians should view that experience as a divine appointment, meaning that God puts you at the right place at the right time, where you have an open opportunity to just have a spiritual conversation and to declare the gospel, whether uh, they're reading the Bible or the topics of discussion could lead to a gospel conversation or perhaps the, your friends or someone had some sort of struggle in their life and you have the chance to capitalize that opportunity to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear on that situation. Now I titled this message, God's Providence in Evangelism. And there are two important words that demand definition. Uh, first, uh, we have God's providence. Uh, it just simply means that God in his sovereignty has created and directed all things to their appointed destiny, which includes being the right place at the right time uh, to accomplish his glorious purposes. And second, we have evangelism. It just simply means the act of declaring the gospel of salvation to unbelievers in hopes that they will repent of their sins and to seek forgiveness of their sins by placing their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so in this story, we will see just how God in his providence directed and led Philip to encounter the Ethiopian eunuch. Now context-wise, we recall that Philip went to Samaria to preach the gospel uh, to Samaria, and, to the, and many of the Samaritans came to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, it's uncertain how long Philip was there for, but we can take a good guess that he was ministering to the new believers. We can take a good guess that he was discipling them and that he was teaching them what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. In verses 26 to 28, however, we see that after a successful and fruitful ministry in the church of Samaria, an angel of the Lord appears and speaks to Philip. And the angel tells Philip to rise, leave Samaria, and go. Like, hold on right there. Like, did the angel really tell Philip to leave his successful and fruitful ministry in Samaria? Now, to our ears, that may just sound a little bit crazy, uh, or maybe even a dumb idea, uh, why would I leave a growing ministry? Now, even if that were the case, some of you may say, like, okay, I hear you, God, but you know, I'll just do that later because the people here need me. 
Now, knowing that the angel of the Lord is a representative of God, uh, what he told Philip is a commandment from God. Now, notice that Luke says says that Philip is to go towards the south, to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Here's a map here. Uh, Gaza was one of the ancient cities, the Philistines in southwest of Palestine. And there were two roads that can get there. And Philip actually took one road that was less frequently traveled. And this road was a desert place, as it was said here at the end of verse 26. It was a desert place. It was a desolate area. It was largely an inhabited region with almost no vegetation. And there was not a whole lot of watering place. So you can imagine that it might have been hard, maybe difficult for Philip to just leave his ministry. Ultimately, however, it was God's idea. He had a purpose for Philip in going down this road that leads to Gaza. And at this moment here in 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 the narrative, Philip wouldn't know why he was leaving his ministry. But he immediately obeyed without questioning. And this really, text, this text should uh, motivate us. Wherever you are at in your life as a Christian, this text should motivate you to be prepared to obey God without question. You know, sometimes God may lead you to leave a fruitful ministry and go somewhere to a quote-unquote desert place where there's nothing. Uh, it, could, it might mean starting from zero. It might mean leaving a crowd and, uh, and reaching a, a single person. Uh, it might mean leaving a big ministry for a smaller ministry. And so this, this takes a lot of prayer, certainly. It takes a lot of prayer and discernment and counseling from the church because angels do, do not speak to us like Philip. So if you ever feel led or called by the Lord to make a big decision in life, then don't hesitate to speak to your, uh, the elders and pastors about this because uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen says that they are keeping watch over your souls. Now, again, Philip has no clue why he's going on the road to Gaza, but Luke here gives us the background in verses 27 to 28, and he introduces us to a character who is nameless. We don't know his name. But he gives us a description of this character. He was an Ethiopian. Now, a common misconception when reading this passage is to assume that he's from our modern-day Ethiopia. But that's actually not the case. This is actually referring to modern-day Sudan, south of Egypt. And also, he's a eunuch. It means that he was castrated. And he's also the court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This means that he's in charge of all her treasures. Therefore, he was an important person who had much power and wealth. Luke further explains the providence of God by providing a scenario where Philip and the Ethiopian can be in contact. You see, it just so happens that he went to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning home. It's unclear what the occasion was. Most likely he went to worship Yahweh, the God of Israel. Some scholars suggest that his ancestors met King Solomon when the Queen of Sheba or the Queen of South visited him in 1 Kings chapter 10. So the knowledge of God in the Old Testament was then passed on and eventually to him. So most likely he's a non-Jew. He was a Gentile who's a proselyte or adherent of Judaism. 
However, given the fact that he was a eunuch, uh, the Jewish law found in Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 did not allow people like him to fully participate in Jewish worship and in the assembly of the Lord. But nonetheless, he was a very pious person. He really wanted worship. But as, as pious as he was in taking a long and costly trip from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, he did not return knowing Jesus Christ personally. He probably did not even know the events that happened in Jerusalem with the persecution of the church and the preaching of the apostles. However, what he did return with was the scroll of Isaiah. Back then, it was expensive to own a scroll. But the fact that he possesses a scroll shows that he's wealthy and powerful to even get a copy of Isaiah, which is what he's reading. And now, in, verses, in verse 29, Philip receives another instruction given by God, God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells him to join the traveling chariot. Think about this. Philip was not, most likely not rich. He was not powerful, a powerful person like a eunuch. In evangelism, modern-day evangelism, even for us as Christians, we may often feel intimidated uh, by those who have a higher social and economic status. Uh, we don't want to reach out to them because, you know, you know, they're so powerful. They will never listen to me. But those are not excuses for not evangelizing to the lost. And those are not excuses for disobeying God's instruction. In moments like these, we should begin to recognize God's providence. Through conversation or situations, God provided you a way, an opportunity to engage in a gospel conversation with someone. And see here, we, so we see again, Philip, he doesn't question. He doesn't doubt God's uh, commandments. He doesn't give the spirit an excuse here. He obeys and he runs to the eunuch. And so as Christians, this text should motivate us to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we walk by the Spirit. Now watch this in verse 30. Philip was hearing the eunuch read Isaiah the prophet here. Now back in those days, people often read out loud. Uh, I don't know how you read your Bible during your devotion, but it's not a bad idea to read the Bible out loud. And it helps with one's memory, and it helps internalize the word of God even more, because as you're reading out loud, you're also hearing yourself as well. Now, a question that gets asked quite often is this. Oh, how can I hear from God? I want to hear from God. Now, if you want to hear from God, then read the scriptures. If you want to go hear God audibly, then read the scripture out loud. See, the Bible is God's inspired word. It is his completed revelation. There's no more need for God to provide a fresh revelation to add to the pages of scripture. So if you want to hear from God, go read the Bible. Because God has spoken here in this book. However, it is one thing to know how to read the Bible and know what the Bible says, but it's another thing to know what it means. Since the eunuch was reading Isaiah out loud, Philip would have heard it, and this would have given him a greater preparation to address him. And so Philip asked him, 
Do you understand what you are reading? That's a good question that we should, we should ask ourselves. Do I understand what I'm reading? And, and the eunuch can read, but he acknowledges that he did not know what he's reading without someone to guide him. He was puzzled by this passage found in Isaiah 53, verses eight to eight, 7 to 8. He doesn't know if this passage was speaking about Isaiah himself or about someone else. And so by the providence of God, Philip comes precisely at the right moment to reach him with the gospel of Jesus by beginning with this scripture in Isaiah. Now this passage of Isaiah that they're reading is rich and saturated with gospel truth. Some have called it uh, the most remarkable chapter in the Old Testament. Some have called it the heart of the Old Testament. Isaiah 52 to 53. Because they were, what they were reading, the chapters that were reading, portrayed Jesus Christ as the suffering servant. Interestingly enough, however, Luke doesn't record for us how, how Philip explained to him Jesus in this passage. It would, it would have been an engaging Bible study, right? We may have wanted to read their conversation and how Philip explained the gospel to him. And it is quite possible that Philip explained the context of that passage. He must have shown him how Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He must have shown how Jesus was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. And with, by his wounds, we are healed. He must have shown him how we have all, like sheep, have gone astray. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so here in this specific passage, he must have shown how Jesus was the suffering servant who was wrongly condemned. And those who condemned him did not understand what they were doing. Jesus is the lamb that was led to the slaughter. John the Baptist confessed that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. All in all, Philip must have shown the eunuch how an unworthy sinner like him and I and all of us can have sins forgiven and how his, how his penalty of sins can be paid for by Jesus' substitutionary atonement. On the cross. Oh, what a mighty cross that we, that we hold to. Furthermore, it's also quite possible that Philip explained a marvelous hope for this Ethiopian eunuch later on in the book of Isaiah. You see, if you have your Bible, you can always turn to Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 to 5. Isaiah 56, verses 3 to 5. I will still show it, but in case you want to have reference right now? You can turn there. Isaiah says this later on. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better 
better than the sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name. And they, that shall not be cut off. Once foreigners and eunuchs are gripped by the gospel, they receive an eternal place with God. They are received and accepted by the Lord and will never be cut off. If they have joined themselves to the Lord, they do not need to fear his rejection. And that because in Christ, though they weren't able to join the assembly of the Lord because of Jesus Christ under the new covenant, this eunuch can enter into the presence of the Lord without fear. Regardless of how Philip explained Jesus to the eunuch from Isaiah, we can be confident that Philip was faithful and that God used his explanation in Scripture to bring new life and hope to the eunuch. God loves this individual. Think about this. God loves this individual so much that he would bring and send someone, a messenger to him. And so we learn from this passage that this passage should motivate us to be prepared to explain the gospel from scripture with individuals. It should prepare us and motivate us to be prepared to explain the gospel from scripture with individuals. Now, what should be the method of evangelism? What should be the method of evangelism? How, are, how is the gospel to be declared? Take a look at this. It says, Philip, open his mouth. If you are to proclaim Jesus to the world, then you must use your words. You must use your words. It isn't sufficient to just simply display the Christian life before sinners, although that's important, to live a godly life, although that's important, but people cannot know about Jesus without us declaring a message to them. Romans chapter 10 was read during the service, but it is beneficial to hear it again now that we've uh, went through this passage. It's Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 17 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless, someone, unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. If God ever puts you in a situation where a non-Christian, or even maybe a Christian, is reading the Bible, then how are you to start? How are you to start with that given passage? and explain its meaning and point them to Jesus. Now, it may be easier to point them to Jesus from Isaiah 52 to 53, but what about other passages like the, the creation account or like genealogies or Paul's letters and so forth? What about those passages? See, when someone reads scripture and faces perplexity, are you prepared to meet this person where he or she is at? Now we come to the final portion of chapter 8 and we see the response and the result of the gospel proclamation. As they were traveling together and spotted some water, the eunuch 
wants to be baptized. Now we remember, we remember something, that they were at a desert place. But long and behold, there's water. There was water. Coincidence? I think not. Again, this is also the providence of God and timing for the eunuch to be baptized after becoming a follower of Jesus. And if you're careful in reading this passage, you may discover that verse 37 is omitted unless you're reading the King James Version or the New King James Version. Uh, but for my Bible, verse 37 is actually omitted, and there should be a footnote at the bottom of your Bible where verse 37 would say, or should say, and Philip, it, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, without getting into all the details, it is possible that Luke wrote this verse, or it is also possible that he didn't, because the earliest manuscripts of the New Testament do not contain this verse. But verse 37 was actually added later on in the manuscripts. Nonetheless, regardless if it was there or not, it's still a good confession of faith, don't you think? You must believe Jesus, who's the God-man. You must believe that he is the Christ, that he's, meaning that he's the Messiah. You know, the word, the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It just means he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's God's anointed one who came to rescue and deliver his people from sin and condemnation. And you must believe that he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God, which emphasizes his deity. Now, there's a lot more that can be said, but just to put it more very simply, you must believe in the biblical Jesus, that Jesus Christ, he's the Son of God, he's the Christ, he's the Lord and Savior of this world in order to be saved and to be and qualified to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. You must believe in the biblical Jesus. You must believe in what he has done for you on the cross and through his resurrection. You must believe who he is, who he claimed to be. And so in verse 38, both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. They both went down to the water. Now, as Baptists, we can rejoice and say amen that they both went down into the water. Let me read this again. They went down into the water. And after baptizing him, they both went out of the water. And I think this is a very good verse to make an argument or make a case for baptism by immersion. Now, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ who practice a different mode of baptism, uh, such as sprinkling or drip, uh, dripping. But if that were the case, then there's really no need to go down into the water and coming out of the water. Now, this is just a secondary issue, just a side comment. This is just a secondary issue. Baptists and Presbyterians can have a healthy disagreement on this issue and still recognize each other as genuine believers in the Lord. Now, here's the, here's the passage that's very bizarre. Something very bizarre happens after they came out of the water in verse 39. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and then he found himself at Asetus. Asetus. It's like he teleported, right? It may, re- it may have reminded you of shows like Star Trek and, or Star Wars. I don't watch them, by the way. Uh, but it may have reminded you of them, right? Teleportation. I'm sure many of you have wondered just what is going on here? 
What happened? And how are we to understand these verses? And now we've come to this passage in the book of Acts. You're all wondering, you're all waiting for me to explain to you exactly what happened. And so here's my best understanding. Some scholars think that this shouldn't be understood as a miraculous event or teleportation. After the baptism, you can say, you know, Philip being forcefully led by the Spirit might have just quickly walked away from the eunuch without a word. But some scholars also suggest that this is a unique and miraculous event. See, this word carry can be translated as being caught up. Being caught up, it carries the sense of being suddenly removed from one scene to another. It's the same word to talk about the concept of the rapture in verse Thessalonians chapter 4. It's the same word in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul describes himself being caught up in the third heaven. Luke also described a similar event where Jesus vanished before the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. So whichever view is correct, and I think the purpose is that the Spirit of the Lord has another assignment for Philip. That's really the purpose. The Spirit dragged him away because the Spirit has another assignment for Philip. See, Philip isn't stopping. Just because he had a successful ministry in Samaria, he had a successful ministry with this individual person, the eunuch, he's not done his ministry yet. He is still on the road preaching the gospel. Just like the apostles who went to all the villages in Samaria preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 8, verse 25, so Philip preaches the gospel in all the towns from Asidus until he came to Caesarea. And when you understand the geography, it's even more fascinating. See, Asidus and Caesarea are, lo- are located by the sea in the western area of Israel. The distance between those two is about 90 kilometers. That's like walking from uh, downtown Vancouver here all the way to the eastern part of Abbotsford or close to Chilliwack. And you can picture that Philip went from a town after town and after town, faithfully preaching the gospel, being evangelist. Now, let me ask you a question. Would any of you want to volunteer in walking from downtown Vancouver all the way to Abbotsford and preach the gospel in every neighborhood and in every city? No volunteers? Now, when Philip arrived in Caesarea, he stayed there, he got married, and we are told that he stayed put right there, and then later on in chapter 21, verse 8, he will, have a, he will have four daughters. That's pretty much the conclusion of the story of Philip as reported by Luke. But what about the eunuch? What about the eunuch? We, he saw Philip no more. He saw Philip no more. But he wasn't sad that Philip left. The text tells us that he went on his way rejoicing because his faith and joy weren't in Philip, but in Christ. Unlike Simon the magician from our previous passage, who latched onto Philip to see the miracles that he was performing, the eunuch didn't need to continue with Philip. Most likely, he went back to Ethiopia and preached the gospel. 
He has a newfound faith. He didn't have the entire Bible with him. He only had the scroll of Isaiah to begin with. But now, not only does he have the scroll of Isaiah, he also has Jesus Christ. And I bet that he was able to explain the gospel from the book of Isaiah. And so as we come to a close to the message, the application is rather simple, even as we walk through this passage. You must recognize God's providence in your life. And if you're a Christian, then you must be prepared. Prepare for those divine appointments. This doesn't mean, however, that you need to only wait for that moment. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't just sit there in your office and just wait for God. Okay, well, when is that moment, God? You should still, whether it's during lunchtime or during break time, your work or school, you should still be intentional about evangelizing to the lost. I don't mean that you need to be obnoxious and rude about it, but as Christians, you are to make opportunities to talk to people about Christ. See, you are more than a student. You are more than the title of your job. You are ambassadors for Christ. You are ambassadors for Christ. And there will be moments where God will strongly compel you to talk to someone about Christ. Maybe it was individual, maybe it's a group, whatever that may be. If God does compel you to do that, will you obey him? Or will you give in to your fears and excuses? See, Philip had the heart of an evangelist. He was obedient to the Lord's commandments without question. He was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he's prepared to explain the gospel from scripture. And he recognized God's providence in evangelism. He loved to tell others about Jesus Christ. He cared about the many in Samaria, and he also cared enough about that one individual. Is that you this morning? Is that you this morning? Do you care about the lost and their state of eternity? Now, there may be some of you this morning who do not know Christ, just like the eunuch. And I strongly believe that you're here for a reason not by accident. It is God's providence that brought you here this morning so that you can hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And I plead with you this morning to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel means that it is, it is good news, that God created you, that God created you for a purpose, with a reason, so that you will worship him and love him and obey him. But the bad news is that we have all sinned against God. We've all been separated from God. And we deserve the wrath to come. And that's how God responds to our sins. Is that we deserve wrath and judgment from him. But God has a solution to our sin problem. By sending Jesus Christ to earth. To live the perfect life that we have failed to live. To obey all of God's commandments that we have failed to obey. Yet, he died on the cross 
the ungodly, the godly die for the ungodly, the righteous die for the unrighteous. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures to conquer Satan's sin and death, and that, and that he ascended into heaven, and right now is seated at the Father's right hand. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And Jesus promised that there will be a day when he will come back and end human history judge the living and dead. The time is urgent. The time is urgent. You might not have a tomorrow. You might not even have an hour. It can happen anytime. And if you trust in Jesus Christ this morning, your sins can be forgiven. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be reconciled to God. You can be adopted into God's family. You can be justified. You can be justified. And you can begin your walk with Jesus and get plugged into the local church. And if that's you this morning, if you have truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have repented of your sins, then I'll invite you to turn to, turn to Christ. Uh, talk to me. And we can have more conversations about this. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this marvelous, glorious passage. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for an example that we have given from Philip who has at the heart of an evangelist. Oh Lord, sometimes, almost all the time, most of the time we fail. We fall short in this, in this endeavor. And forgive us if there are moments in our life where we've been very careless and callous and cold towards the lost where we don't feel motivated to tell others about Christ. Oh, Lord, please motivate us. Please help us recognize that, that, we, were, that we were saved because, not only because we believed in Jesus, but because someone brought the gospel into our lives. And so, Lord, we want to be responsible and to declare that to others as well. It is a big responsibility, but, Lord, we cannot do it in our own strength, but you have given us the Holy Spirit to um, empower us to do so and to, and to motivate us and to guide us. So, Lord, I ask that we would we, that we'd be found faithful and that we would continue to be led by the Spirit, not by our own flesh. And when those opportunities come, may, be, may we be ready to do what you called us to do, to love them, to love people, and to share the love of Jesus cross of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, gospel of salvation to those who need it. Oh Lord, please help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.